0: Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Crane Wife itself, the song that the net record is named after, is in three parts. This record actually begins with part three, and then the next to last song is parts one and two. And at first, you're like, "Oh, it's too bad they couldn't have put one, two, and three all together for me." But it was <laughs> actually a brilliant move because it, it the album and begins with the ending. It ends with the big celebrational building 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 sing along it's, it reminds me of the way the joshua tree starts you know like you listen to where the streets have no name and you're like well how where's this going to go right i'm not saying these two songs are, are equal on, in quality. come on seriously They're not equal in quality seriously but it has this you big... know what it reminded
1: me of is sergeant peppers and also the bible
2: <laughs> uh 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys you know what we haven't done in a while we haven't done a weather
0: check
1: 50 year old white guys love weather I'll, I'll give
0: you part? a hint i'll give you a hint my knee's a little achy
2: <laughs> we got rain in california jeff simons we do indeed a little unexpected late march uh
1: thunderstorm it's great. oh
2: dear oh dear
1: ben barton Timmy, I imagine Asheville follows Knoxville in the late spring cold snap. Yes. Which, indeed. by the way, uh, are you a fan or anti? I, I, I like it. You know, it's bright, sunny skies. I'm okay. We have a mosquito problem. What? At the oh, really? Barton Cannon Mansion. And so, <laughs> the, when, the mayoral? Yeah, totally. Mansion. And I'm too cheap to pay for an exterminator, so I need that late spring freeze. Good. Like, when the hard freeze yeah. happens, I'm like, die! die mosquitoes.
2: <laughs> I love it. well Welcome to 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. We're all we're all 52 now, right? Uh yeah, I think I am. Yeah. Nice job. All right, so Thank we're you. we've made it this far. Um and we are exploring the music of 2006 on the Electrocast podcast network. We're at the stage of our podcast, gentlemen where I can't clearly remember what we've covered uh, in the previous years.
0: Very much a 50 year old white guy.
2: uh, So by the way, super professional, Tim. That's a good sign. Right. I'm (laughs) upfront with my audience. I went over 2006. I'm like, gosh, I think I talked about that. Did we talk about Steve Irwin? It feels like something we would have talked about. Have we talked about Steve Irwin? Is he the
0: crocodile guy?
2: yes from australia he dies in 2006 and he's eaten by a crocodile is he not he is not the question was going to be this is good unless we actually did cover it and then it's bad (laughs) what creature did steve irwin succumb to (laughs) that's a great question am i confusing the
0: crocodile death with the grizzly man death because the kid oh, who hung yeah. out with the grizzly bears oh, was definitely awful. got eaten by a grizzly bear, right?
2: He did. that was bad. Okay. I Oh, I don't know what year.
0: I'll have to
1: check. I tell mean. that story every year in Torch 2. Why? Is that a tort case? In Torch 2, we cover... A strict liability for owning oh. a wild animal and i try and explain to the students why it's a bad idea to own a wild animal and i okay. always point them to that movie which is like 45 <laughs> minutes of this dumb hippie being like grizzly bears are beautiful man who could be angry at these beautiful animals look how nice they're he's eating a salmon out of my hand and i'm like dude what do you what do you what, you, what you? And oh. he just gets eaten <laughs> Uh, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Spoiler alert. You know it's funny? that Richard Thompson is
0: one of my favorite musicians. Did this <laughs> did the soundtrack for that. What? And I always wanted the last song to be like do do. do, do blah, 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 like it's like him like yanking his hands off the, the oh guitar. Well, I would they... give him a thousand dollars if he did that live. Like, here's my theme from Grizzly Man. Do 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 do, do, do blah, 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 blah,
1: blah, blah. <laughs> it's a fantastic <laughs> movie. It's a Werner Herzog movie. And um, (laughs) they do not have video of the guy getting eaten, but they have audio of it and they've never released it. Like it's too, it's too bad. I've
0: met Werner Herzog. He's a fascinating guy. He made a movie about uh, the father of a kid that I taught and came and talked to Branson and like had lunch with a bunch of people. Like he's a dynamite uh, person to spend the day with.
1: My favorite Werner Herzog story is from the Mandalorian. He plays the client in The Mandalorian. And so he's in a scene with the puppet that's Baby Yoda. So they do the scene. And at the end of the scene, they remove the puppet. And the produ- The director say, okay, now we're going to do it against a green screen so that we can zoom in the puppet if we don't like the way it looked with the physical puppet. And Herzog goes, I will not do this. You will use the puppet shot. You are cowards. Cowards. You know not what you have. That puppet is magic. No green screen. Isn't that amazing? And by the way, couldn't have been more right. Like that oh, puppet is freaking
2: gold. Yep. This this podcast has gone off the rails so yes, dramatically. Already. Sorry, cool. I apologize. It was a stingray. Oh, that's right. How do you we die had, by stingray? He
0: asked us a question. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We we somehow got into an impassioned defense. It was a stigma. Of oh, the little Yoda puppet. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's go. I think our audience is now ready. They're wondering what was the album most appreciated by the Grammy voters in 2006. It's the Grammy winner. Taking the Long Way by the Dixie Chicks.
3: I'm not sure, I could. They say time heals everything, but I'm still waiting. I'm through with doubt, there's nothing left for me to
2: figure out. I've paid. Up price, and I'll keep paying. I'm
0: not ready to
3: make nice, I'm not ready to back down. I'm still mad as hell, and I don't have time to go round and round and round. It's too late to make it right.
1: I I that one song of the year, too, right? That's the Dixie Chicks. That think- is
2: indeed uh their grammy winning album taking the long way i actually can't remember did i think it, i think you're right so this is great we can't remember our own podcast.
0: i remember that we talked about the dixie chicks before we did
2: okay so we think they won the grammy for song of the year you're saying
0: i'm pretty sure what they did as well they
1: swept this year they killed yeah. it this year and they i they thought were able it was to unfortunate because take... it was political
2: they
0: were able to take the the folky thing of the indigo girls and put just enough new metal stained like <laughs> really? bush production under it and push it right down everybody's throat. That about, low keep that low keyboard like it's that song could also be. Well, it's been a while since I was eating a coke or whatever that stupid song is, but it's the same like. Huge, dumb piano chords uh, over the top of everything to kind of create that dark mood.
1: The yeah. first
2: couple
0: chords are
1: rocking in the free world, too, right? Yes. Uh, that's no what it sounded like. It.
2: So it's interesting you bring up the piano and the keyboards. This is going to be the topic du jour of the 2006 podcast. Uh, let's not get into it right now, but I like where your head's at, Jeff Simons. Um, And I might have to read a quote of yours to the good people Uh in regards to this discussion we're going to have. But first things first, 2006, Twitter
1: is launched. Yay. (laughs) Um, Hey, can I ask you guys a question? Yes. Um, I experienced Twitter as the worst social media. I'm not on LinkedIn, but I consider it the worst. Hard, hard no. Uh Uh-uh. It's the best. Okay, um, Let me. I'll explain why I consider it to be the worst, and then I'll be curious to hear what you think is the best. Okay. Um, so Twitter is a much more professional space for me than Facebook, and I don't do Instagram or TikTok. Um, but on Facebook, basically, I rarely look at Facebook and feel bad. Like, I rarely look at Facebook and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing enough in my life, or I'm not successful enough, or I'm not checking off the boxes that I should. Whereas Twitter really makes me feel that way because it's a professional space. So, um, I mean, basically, first of all, I assume I make other people feel bad other law professors i'm like oh like I, i got a book coming out and i was on c-span and they must be like oh, i, I feel bad about that no but, R-
3: then, they're, not but free- then
1: they post but then they post and they're like oh i got a, a law review article coming out in harvard or whatever else and i'm like oh let's see this is something that i should be doing like their updates like a, a facebook update when i see somebody else has got good looking kids or is having a nice vacation i'm like i also have kids and vacation <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't make me sad <laughs> But Twitter somehow actually like physically bums me out. Oh, and then there's the toxic part of it. Like, there's so much more arguing and politics on Twitter that also bugs me. But but it's the actual experience of fear of missing out and jealousy that I get much more on Twitter than I do on other um, locations.
2: Okay, Jeff Simons.
0: Oh, I like Instagram. Instagram's the happy spot. Like, it's just pictures <laughs> usually, and uh, people like their Sunday or people are looking at a nice view or they like a record and they put a picture of the person up. I find Instagram to be like the place where everybody's just agreed to be like here's a thing I'm looking at now that doesn't make me sad and other people like it. Um I don't get I don't see nearly the same vitriol on uh Twitter. And and I'm inundated on Facebook because I I I basically just see the funny things that my friends say like it's a pretty happy space for me like i don't i don't experience very much politics stuff because i learned how to game the algorithm a little bit and i don't like anything that isn't you know
2: yeah i think that's pretty key
0: pretty uh pretty pretty uh neutral so uh yeah so i guess i'd rank them instagram facebook twitter because i find twitter like i can't keep up with twitter like like I, I go away from Twitter and I hit the like update and 775 different anger messages go flying by me just so I can find out what Tim put up.
2: I, I, I think um, I think Twitter's got really funny people on it and, and they know how to use it. And they're they're hilarious. I also think um, like really smart uh, journalists um, screenwriting. Twitter is terrific. Uh, black Twitter is terrific music twitter is out of this world um and of course we on our twitter feed follow podcast twitter um so lots of insights there and i just you know if there if there are nutcases out there i just block block block
0: yeah i like and, your
2: style
1: timmy i should yeah, learn it's from good
0: you. i also i find twitter uh professionally exhausting too because when i go on twitter i get send me your music links i'm making a podcast do you want to review and i'm just like uh, so trolling my music <laughs> on Twitter, like I could send my links to a thousand different right, places yeah. every day and still feel like I hadn't done enough. So That's, I share a little bit of Ben's professional exhaustion. Right.
2: Well, good to, uh, good to discuss. It's funny that you guys are, are, are ranking these things. Cause I was about to ask you uh, because in 2006, Lindsay Lohan Paris Hilton and Britney Spears were spending lots of time together, going to clubs, throwing drinks, fights, scenes. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? So I was going to ask you if you were a single man in 2006. Oh, dear God. Who out of those three would you most want to date?
1: Timmy, no comment. Next question.
2: <laughs> For me, okay. who were the three? Paris Hilton. Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan. I'll choose uh, a life of quiet contemplation.
1: <laughs> they're also too young for us, man. Move yeah, on. Yeah, that's
2: no, the no, thing. of course they're too young. I'm saying if we were their age, just move come on, 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 Ben. What's wrong with you? All right,
1: It's like delete, delete, delete. Yeah, no, for Danger. sure. Are you kidding me. You India listens moment? to this podcast. You By the way, would it be better if I was like, oh, Lindsay Lohan? That's the effort, Lindsay Lohan.
0: I mean, not like, let's just move on. No, Wait, you know that moment in the movie about <laughs> Sully when you can hear the computer telling him they need to pull the plane up like target, like, you know, like, uh, you know, critical condition impact imminent. That's like what I have in my head while you're asking that question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. I've got easier fare. Oh, good. An E. coli outbreak kills three people in the Midwest in 2006. Oh. Uh, which vegetable was to blame? Spinach it was indeed spinach wow which is my if it's done right favorite vegetable and i would ask the the two of you to rank your top three vegetables go Uh, jeez i like spinach a lot that's a good one
0: okay um i love cauliflower it's my covid my covid discovery like i could eat Roasted cauliflower with, like, the balsamic thing that Suze does. Okay. 300 nights a year.
1: Yeah, roasted cauliflower is amazing. I go tomato. Yes. Corn. Yeah, also amazing. The to- Fresh tomato, fresh corn. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so good. And then I'm going to go broccoli.
0: Yeah, I like broccoli, hey, too. Now. I like all of those. Those are all great. I'm in kind of a vegetable moment. Like, I'm actually... Like I'm looking forward to the vegetable, most of all in my evening meal these days. Like, I don't know what's going on with me, but I've been super into them.
2: So when I was at Northeastern University, I got locked out of my apartment and I went over to uh, this young woman's apartment, had a massive crush on her. Um, she was the coolest English major at Northeastern University. Um, I, I, I um, Mandy Schraft was her name. Uh, If she listens, hey, how's it going? But anyways, she was nice enough to invite me in when I got locked out of my apartment. And she's like, I'm just making dinner. Do you want some? And I said, that's so nice. Sure. A bowl of broccoli with a little bit of pasta, no sauce, no olive oil, nothing. Best meal of my life. I was like, oh, yeah, let's go.
0: (laughs) I did, you have to for, did you have to force that back like you were uh, like, you were on a
2: television show? I was like, I've never seen this before. What is this what are you for me? I'll By never way, forget the Tim, time I, I went a... out. I
0: went out with Tim and, and one of his brothers and uh, ketchup was a little heavy for him. <laughs> like, oh, this ketchup's a little spicy. It's like <laughs> that was a real that was a real moment.
1: Also, Tim, I like the dating strategy of locking yourself out of your apartment. (laughs) You're like, one way or another, I'm going to have to meet a girl. That'll be it. I'm going to lock myself (laughs) out and then I'll have to do it. Not
2: my first rodeo. Uh, This is a really hard question. What significant Beatles event happens in 2006? The anthology uh, comes out, including Free as
0: a Bird, First Song in Forever. Incorrect.
2: Okay. It could be real, but no.
0: <laughs> oh, that's 1995, right. Sorry.
2: Help us, Timmy. In 2006, Paul McCartney turns 64. He wrote we a still song. still need
0: him. Yes, I know.
2: He wrote a song when he was 16 called
0: When I'm 64.
2: Time passes, gentlemen. Time <laughs> passes. That was a hard question. Uh, By the was... way,
0: isn't that amazing? That was it. He turned 64 18 years ago, and people are paying $1,000 to see him in concert next month. Still,
1: yeah. Including right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah,
0: man. Wow. He's got two nights in Oakland that I can't afford the tickets. They went for, they're going for so much.
1: That's amazing. Uh, do you
2: know who was Time's Person of the Year in 2006? It you was you, ah. When they put that little mirror cover on the uh, on the magazine, I wonder how that sold. You think people got excited and bought that so they I could think, go home and hold it up? I think Trump did. I think he framed a couple. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Let's get to the number one. Oh wait, oh this is when we usually insert an ad. How about our advertisers
1: lately, guys? Huh? I know.
2: Boy, so
0: anyways, did they Timmy. do some. Go ahead. My
1: dad asked me how he can change his comment to bad. Well, hi. Because <laughs> he's super mad about the ads.
2: <laughs> Tell him to hang in there. We're trying to pay bills here. Come on. For sure. You also,
0: think- like it sounds like they picked the right products. Isn't Volvo one of our advertisers? Yes. And the official car of the 50-year-old white guy, no question about it.
2: <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's actually their. Their ad slogan. but By
0: the way, when do we get to read the copy? I want to be one of those podcasts that actually reads the cheesy copy. I want it. I mean, I'm excited to, to grow up to be those guys.
2: Yes, because that would be interesting to read in my Volvo. Oh, <laughs> I was pretending we were doing a, a read. All right, let's go.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
2: It's the number one album. High School Musical,
1: the soundtrack.
2: First of all ben barton you know what that is is that miley cyrus it is no. not jeff simons could you go to we're all in this together
0: okay i like that one
2: The, the closing tune uh, recreated by the Asheville school faculty uh, in a song and dance number at the fall pep rally. <laughs> uh, choreography by Kathy Liner Myers uh, and Tim Plain. Um, this is high school musical, Ben Barn. You didn't watch this with the
1: girls? Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't listen to this, but I did. I was forced to watch some of this. Yeah.
0: This is the moment of the growl girl vocal that drives me crazy. There's nothing worse than like teaching 12 year old girls to do that. Like rah, when Wait, they're coming, coming into a note and this record's full of that kind of singing, it drives me absolutely up a wall. Crazy. Rah, I'm in a note now all nasal front voice. Huh. Super, super over sexualized for uh, something called high school musical. All but, right. I will. Um... But I
2: digress. Let's, uh, let's move right along. Uh, I did not buy this album. Anyone else? No.
0: <laughs> no, I did not buy this record. You know this record so well, too. America, Tim was genuinely digging. We're all in this together. There was a real dance happening while Ben and I looked quizzically at his little That Zoom was cube. only
2: because of the muscle memory from the <laughs> dance <laughs> I performed. Um, all right. Before we get to our big discussion of the night, the best-selling single-platform video game of all time comes out in 2006. So single-platform, like you could only play Space Evaders on Atari. So this was a, a video game you could only play on a specific... Oh, stage. you're
1: going to ask? I, I'm, I'm the video game group. Right, now that them. you've got Red Go, Dead, baby. Red Dead Redemption 2 or something... And and by the way, I finished Red Dead Two, and now I'm on Red Dead One. I went back to the to the first. Uh, I believe it's Halo. Halo is going to be the best selling single platform game. Not
0: Halo. That would have been my guess too. Is it is it um, Call of Duty? It is Wii Sports. Oh.
2: Oh, (laughs) Why are you shaking your head, Ben? Is that beneath you now? Now that Wii Sports
1: comes with a stupid machine, right? That like. You have to buy Wii Sports. No, uh, it came free with the machine. It, that, I don't
2: even see how that counts. No, I. No, this was the second one.
0: Wii. No, this Wii Sports came with the machine. Wii Summer Summer Games was the was the uh, sequel.
2: Or, or Wii Island Resort. Yeah. Or Olympics or something. I have a
0: little Wii knowledge. I I will. Oh, wow. uh, I'll admit. you Susan and Susan, I Susan, and I got so good at Wii Tennis <laughs> that we had to put the game away. Because we were putting Will to bed and then staying up to like 1 30 in the morning just, just going to the game, beating the shit out of each other, and we tennis. Like both of our characters were like had like a thousand points of ability, and everything we did was like a thousand miles an hour and a trick shot. And like we like almost broke a glass and a plate and we got, like two we got lamps.
2: To too much. Oh, we were so into it. Oh. That reminds me of my Tetris days. All right, gentlemen. In the first season, we did uh, top three vocalists, top three guitarists, top three bass players, top three drummers. We stayed away from the piano and we stayed away from keyboards uh, because one of us doesn't always appreciate that particular contribution to music. Um, If anyone Feels comfortable speaking now, they may.
1: So, we're going to do top three keyboard players. So what we're going to do? Do you want to? Yeah, sure. Let's do this thing. That's fine. Okay. Jeff, <laughs> you go ahead and go first.
0: You said that in the same way when a doctor's like, it is time for your colonoscopy. And you're like, yeah, sure. Let's do this. <laughs> it's, it's an equal level of enthusiasm.
2: All right, Jeff uh, Simons, you have a top three.
0: I don't know if I do. I Just really, pick one and
1: I'll pick one and we'll do, do this thing.
0: Uh, he's like, you're like, just shut up and pick a guy. I really like uh, the way David Sanchez plays the piano. He's a side guy. He was in the E Street Band. He's the keyboard player on Born to Run. He then joined a whole bunch of other great bands in the 70s and 80s. He was in Sting's Band. Ben and I saw him play in Sting's Band together. Um, okay. He's an incredibly tasteful guy never overplays he he plays different kinds of recordings without getting too jazzy and annoying and i just think he has a terrific ear
1: so he's the first one that jumped into my head okay ben yeah so i have two different categories i have like the tasty side person who adds things and that's sanchez and then i have the front man who also plays piano Yeah. Um, And the front man who also plays piano is a tough one. I'd be happy to choose Aretha. I'd be happy to choose Ray Charles, but I'm going to choose little Richard. Yeah. Little Richard is the OG balls to the wall piano player set the standard for that entire group from him all the way down to Ben Folds. Little Richard. Yep. He's great. Can we just
0: agree that Ray Charles and Aretha would both be on our lists and pick other more obscure folks because they're both, those are both tremendous picks. Um, I really, I mean, Ben folds is probably the most recent example of a guy who has made the piano, like watching a guy play the piano, interesting and palatable without being annoying. Like he plays the piano so that his songs come to life rather than writing songs so that he can play the piano, which I think is the crucial problem with many, piano players is they think that we're there to hear them play a million notes on the piano um, and I like keyboard players I like players who are like think of the keyboard as a rhythm instrument where they occasionally do something cool rather than everybody shh, 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 I'm going to play the piano now and those guys drive me absolutely mm-hmm. crazy which is why Ben's love for Billy Joel is absolutely doesn't make any sense because Billy Joel plays make the piano. Don't make me choose him.
1: Don't make me choose him. Billy
0: Joel <laughs> plays the piano in exactly the way that makes Ben want to go home. And yet he still finds a way to, to have a soft spot for him. But um so I'll say Ben Folds, he's great. He's okay, he's a new guy.
1: All, All right, right, I'm gonna do my obscure pick. Here she. here he goes. Chuck Berry's pianist, Johnny Clyde Johnson. That's okay. pretty good. That's pretty obscure. He is fantastic in the Excellent, outstanding Chuck Berry um, biography slash biopic. They have a whole section where Keith talks about Johnny Clyde Johnson and how the bulk of Chuck Berry songs are written in piano keys, not in guitar keys. And it's because this guy really set the sound. It's beautiful. Sweet little 16. If you want to hear some really tasty piano playing with a band, Johnny Clyde Johnson. So for my
0: super obscure pick, I'll pick a British session musician who is the keyboard player on every 1960s british hit where you're like i didn't know this band had a keyboard player they didn't they hired a guy named nicky hopkins to play keyboard nicky hopkins does all of the piano that you ever liked on every who kinks rolling stones any really english rock act all the joe cocker records they just bring him in they just bring him in he was like he was like five foot two and 86 pounds and passed away, sadly. He was a pretty frail, unhealthy guy. Um, but he is a spectacular piano player. And he kind of invents rock piano, I think. Like, wow. All the stuff he does for all of those bands. He's on a bunch of Zeppelin tunes, too. Yeah. Like, he's just great. So, Nicky Hopkins is my
1: super obscure pick. Really cool. Oh, that's good. I had the same basic concept. I had Ian Stewart slash yeah. Billy Preston. So, those are the same guys. Ian Stewart <laughs> actually was an original member of the Rolling Stones in 1963, and the manager was like, no, nah, he's too ugly. Get him off the stage. He's too <laughs> so ugly? Then, yeah. yeah. that he became like a roadie, and he played piano with them when they needed behind to. Behind the and curtain. His one oh. really, really, really big sort of star turn is Boogie with Stu on physical graffiti um, for Led Zeppelin. So it's like he came out from behind the Rolling Stones. Was he out.
2: that unattractive?
1: I mean, we're talking about the Rolling Stones here. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> it's it is tough. It is- yeah,
0: that they looked at Bill Wyman and were like, uh, I don't yeah, know. he's okay. Well, you need a bassist, you don't need a piano player. That's true. All right. And I'll so... just throw some love at Ben Montench, who's a, oh, that's a, a fantastic piano player in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and has done a whole bunch of remarkably tasteful session work as well. well I love so... Ben Mont's playing. So I've never as... heard Ben Mont ever play a gig where he didn't play every note he played i was like oh that's a good note i like that note he's really terrific
2: so real quick just so i could understand as we were exchanging text jeff if you don't mind me sharing no no you said there are plenty of good keyboard players they just don't play piano that's when they suck
0: what is that what's well, what i was trying to say earlier like i i don't like i mean i don't like Ingve Malmstein because i don't like to listen to guys play scales Like I want to hear, I want to hear uh, virtuoso play music, and there's a lot of piano players for whom the whole point is, and they just pull
1: focus, and they're they're a pain in the ass.
0: Forget about forget about
2: piano players for a second.
1: Hold on, I actually pulled my two two of my least favorite keyboardists. Yeah, Yeah. this helps you out
2: because keyboardists are part of bands, and you're saying I don't like this band because of the way they use keyboards.
1: Yeah, so example number one is the keyboardist who's added to fill in space slash sound. Reese Winans, who joins Double Trouble behind Stevie Ray Vaughan on their third record. All of that cheesy ass Stevie Ray gets addicted to heroin. And by the way, it's super hard, super hard to be in a trio and be the world's greatest guitarist. Like that's very challenging. Just ask Jimi Hendrix about it. But um, Jimi Hendrix had the good taste to die before he added a keyboardist. (laughs) (laughs) Stevie Ray did not. He dragged this guy out. It's like just like that soupy, useless keyboard sound where it just fills up space. I hate that, but I don't hate that as much. I think it's Emerson Lake and Palmer. Yeah, I think I find that to be the most offensive. Now, there's some ELP like in Yes, but Yes has other things going on. It's not just ELP. Um, And the really aggressive version of ELP is, of course, Europe: The Final Countdown, Uh, final version (laughs) of it. But when they're just doing that, (laughs) they're like, you know, what would be amazing if we had a horn section, but we replaced it with a Casio keyboard. That just (laughs) grates on me. Yep. Okay, and I would that say that the guy from Deep Purple is a great
0: example of like, oh. how many more of those notes do I need to hear? Like, it's like, I like the song "Hush" a lot, and then uh, and I kind of like the beginning of uh, "Highway Star," and then it's like fourteen minutes of Ian Lord going just playing like oh the same God. four organ notes forever. I just I, had
2: a flashback from like the time before I really knew Ben. So this was this must have been at Breadloaf, Jeff. Yeah, where you said something to the effect of, "My buddy Ben thinks that the doors are actually like a lounge act, cheesy
0: that, lounge
2: act." That the greatest Ben Martin. Big. That's One of ben the most
0: Martin. eviscerating, accurate rips on a band of all time. <laughs>
2: oh my gosh, that's
0: come flooding back to my brain right yep. now, Raymond. That's true, man. Some of those long meandering, like. When the music's over is just it's a that's a lot to take in that
2: (laughs) cheesy keyboard sound for 12 and a half minutes. All right. Good stuff. Well, I hope that when we get to my album pick, which features a piano, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we're going to be okay with it. uh, But let's get to our three albums. (laughs)
0: are three albums.
1: Ben, I think you're first. I am, in fact, first. All right, so I experienced this band as an emo band. So emo is a rock music genre that actually starts in the 90s and grows to great popularity in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, and then has a pretty steep cliff off of it yeah. um, as it kind of like moves into self-parody. Yeah. Here's what's likable about Emo. It's kids who have strong feelings, which I'm for. Like, I'm a 52 year old guy who's got let's, strong feelings. So I emo. like that. Yep. It has some of the bones of punk music. They kind of claim punk music. Yep. Um, here's some things I don't like about it. Many of the bands are too slick and feature a guitar sound I do not like. Yes. So we've previously discussed My Chemical Romance. I have mixed feelings about that, but there's several good My Chemical Romance songs. We have not discussed Panic at the Disco. This, like, I don't know, seven or eight, really good Panic at the Disco songs. Um, This band, weirdly, it's not 100% clear that they're actually emo. I experienced them as emo, but by 2006, emo is not cool anymore. So they were definitely not claiming this label. That being said, this is my favorite emo band. (laughs) Whether they're emo or not, I think that they're super emo. This is Tokyo Police Club, New Market, Ontario's own Tokyo Police Club. They form as one band in 2004. They know each other in high school. Then they get back together. And uh, by 2005, 2006, they're starting to have some success. In 2006, they put out their uh, EP, their successful debut And uh, I really, 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 really just love Tokyo Police Club, A Lesson in Crime. Seven songs, all of them under three minutes, just bang, 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 all the way through. My favorite one is Citizens of Tomorrow. But Jeff, I'm going to ask you to play the first, like, just five seconds of Nature of the Experiment. This is what they sound like. And if you like Nature of the Experiment, you're going to like them. (laughs) <laughs> so, that, that, it, that it's like a super bass heavy right up front. The bassist is the singer and the songwriter, too. So, they got like a little police action to them. They're a, uh, a really, really, really hap- happy is the wrong word because they're super emotional. They're like kids who are really fired up and are yelling at you over bass and guitars. And by the way, mm-hmm. that's a recipe that works. Like, just I will eat that all day long. That's a 2006 recipe, that's a 16 recipe. Presumably in 26 and 36, God willing, I will still love this kind of music. My favorite song is Citizens of Tomorrow. Jeff, I'm going to ask you to start at 47 seconds so you can find that while I explain Citizens of Tomorrow. Thank you. So it starts out with a slow part with just the band clapping. And they're explaining. So this is in 2006 That in 2009. The robots have taken over the world and enslaved all of the humans. So that's where we find ourselves. Okay. It starts slow and then it goes into the fast part. I believe at minute at, at 47 seconds, we're going to immediately start with, that's 2009 when they put us in the place. And then we hear about the woes of being a slave to the machines. Jeff.
2: A Lesson in Crime by Tokyo Police Club.
3: That's 2009
1: so much more uh vigorous than emo rock oh no there's a bunch of songs that are like that um this one the thing that's really likable about this in my so i like that it's bass first yeah it makes me really happy and i I really dig that guitar sound and then also like dude i will like at random points of the day i'll be like no we can't no we won't no we can't like it just comes to me (laughs) Like just those like happy young kids from ontario who are like 19 at this point just screaming back at you about the things they're not going to do Just <laughs> ma- always makes me super happy good stuff wow i've never never heard of this band can't wait to check yeah it so this is their ep then they have a major label debut I think they got so many records years later then they got a bunch of records after it my impression my recollection of this is that i was just over the moon about the ep and then i was so- sort of increasingly disappointed by their records Um, i listened to the ep all week and i was like wow this is fantastic i should go back and then i listened to just all of their records on shuffle pretty good Uh pretty good nothing's as good as this there's nothing as pure as this that's right they have a keyboardist and the keyboardist becomes more of a a, a featured element, which is <laughs> oh,
3: gosh, um, darn
1: it. But I mean they they have they they have some good songs. Like basically their entire catalog is worth listening to, but definitely start here. That would be my okay. suggestion. So I'm at Bonnaroo in 2010. They were great.
0: Yeah, nothing to add. I've always liked this band. Ben, this is a Ben uh pick introduction to me. And uh, you know what's great about this band? The real problem with emo is the songs aren't all that great a lot of the time. They're just not all that hummable. Like the melody will be the chords. And so like the chords are going, da 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 The singer's going, I'm singing to you, and I'm singing to you. And this after like 20 minutes of like unison melody, I get a little bit burned out. But these guys don't have that going at all. Like the bass is all over and the, all that great single note guitar scratchiness. And then the singers like, it's totally unpredictable. I always like this band.
2: So all right, uh, genre question. I always associated emo with like Mazzy Star, and slow and morbid.
1: But I'm wrong. No, that's like trip hop. I don't think that's emo at all. Huh? Am I wonder how... right, Jeff? I wonder how yeah, I wouldn't
0: got... call I that. Heard. I wouldn't call that emo. Like, I guess there's like that's the kind of sad version of it. Like Dashboard Confessional is an emo act. Yeah, totally. Um, and they've he's got or they've got some like sad stuff. It about- has a Mazzy Star vibe to it.
2: Well, I'll tell you what; I'll do a little research. But
1: before we move on, <laughs> can we agree? All oh, right. I'm sorry. Mazzy Star is shoegaze slash dream pop. Yeah, a dream pop. I, it's not bro. shoegaze
0: at all. Dream pop, I'll give you. But shoegaze is like My Bloody Valentine and all that, like just stuff that's still echoing in a an a
2: concrete warehouse somewhere. Or uh, yeah. wait, ben, ben, are you on your computer right now? Go ahead. Uh, top five emo bands. What comes up on the Google?
1: We'll do that. Um, Speaking of shoe gaze, I saw the band Low at the Big Ears Festival here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. And, Woo! and uh, I dragged Georgia to see them. Not uh-huh. pleased. Not pleased at all. <laughs> uh, that being said, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Super fun. All right. 18 best emo bands of all time. Just give us the top five. Don't worry about the 18. Uh, well, Panic at the Disco 16, and they're my favorite. So that's a problem. Okay. Fallout Boy, Death Cab for Cutie, Ugh. My Chemical Romance, Brand New, Jimmy Eat World, American huh. Football, and Sunny Day Real Estate. Yeah, that's, that's that okay. I would have said some of those bands.
2: Um, You just ran, a, did you run a marathon in Knoxville, Ben? I saw pictures.
1: It was a relay. I ran a relay with some other professors and we whipped up on the student group. It was Let's a go. group against a professor group. Come on. We man. just ran them ragged. Love Don't it.
0: fuck with a bunch of old professors who
1: can't afford to lose anymore. I mean, what are those kids thinking? <laughs> I hate to monopolize the time, but I will just go ahead and say, so the, the woman who ran the first leg is uh-huh. just a super nice person. And um, I volunteer at a homeless shelter every other week. And we, I bring students with me and we, uh-huh. with them, we give them legal advice. And anyway, she's there. Dang. And she's like, oh, I'm on the student team. And I'm like, oh, what leg are you running. She's like, I'm running the first leg. I'm like, I'm running the first leg too. Uh-huh. She's like, don't worry. I'm super slow. I'm, I'm like, I haven't trained at all. I'm looking at 13, 14 minute miles. I might walk some of it. So I was like, ha ha ha. Anyhow, I run the first leg. I finish it and she's freaking standing there like what? tortoise in the hairstyle. Like she's just completely <laughs> done with it. And she what? looks not winded. And like, she's been there for like 10 minutes. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? You said you were slow. So she's like, No, I I ran really fast. I just happened to run eight minute miles today. I'm like, okay, (laughs) fine. But they ran the marathon the day after the barrister's ball, which is they call it the law prom. And the second leg got super drunk and hung over and overslept. So even though the first woman whipped up on me, the second woman was 10 minutes late yes. to even meet her and run the marathon. So <laughs> I was like, it's better to be slow and organized. There's a lesson in life. Yeah, there's
2: a lesson right there.
1: God. Good stuff. That's All a 50 right. year old guy lesson right there.
0: Like, yeah, you know, for sure. leave your keys where you can find them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jeff Simon's over to you.
0: 2006. 2006. It seems like seems like it was about like something around 15 years ago. Uh, so my pick for 2006 was a very popular record with music nerds. In 2006, it is the one record I truly love by this band. This is a band that uh, it took me a minute, and uh, what won me over was just the audacity of this record. So uh, the Decemberists are from Portland, Oregon. Like Ben's so mad at me. Look how mad Ben is. I love this. Uh, They made uh, a couple of pretty good records for Kill Rock Stars, which is an indie label up there. Um, Colin Malloy is the songwriter, and I'll admit the Decemberists. Every the first three records, there's two or three songs where I'm like, this song is great. There is absolutely nothing I have negative to say about this song. The Sporting Life, 16 Military Wives. There's a bunch of great ones. There's also songs that annoy the hell out of me. And I found the whole thing a little precious, like Malloy's voice is pretty stylized. There's a lot of moments that feel uh, very Portlandia, and I couldn't quite turn around on them. They got signed to Capitol Records and made a major label debut. And I assumed that it would be like, like we have been trained to think of major label debuts. It would be safe. Uh, it would be like their first two records, but all scrubbed squeaky clean in a fancy studio. And looking at the looking at the back cover, I noticed that on a 10 song record, two of the songs were 12 minutes long. And I am a guy who is intrigued by a band Not a problem. that wants to put out a 10 song record where two of the songs are Epic and length so because it was 2006 I took the record over to the listening booth I fell for this record immediately like somebody dropped a safe on my head it is so much better sounding than anything else in the December's catalog it has a big rich gorgeous mix the drums are huge and beautiful and the bass is so big and dead center in an era where bass was invisible on records like This is the era when bass was meant to be felt, but not heard. I played on a bunch of records in this era where I could have just like strummed the air randomly and I would have had the same impact on the record of the the sound of the record in the final mix, Mm -hmm. not this record, big, wide, beautiful mix. And it's so full of attempts to swing for the fences, like even the short rockers are really well put together and the epic songs just do it for me the crane wife itself the song that the net record is named after is in three parts this record actually begins with part three and then the next to last song is parts one and two and at first you're like oh it's too bad they couldn't have put one two and three all together for me <laughs> but it was actually a brilliant move because it and the album and begins with the ending it ends with the big celebrational building 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 sing along it's it reminds me of the way the joshua tree starts you know like you listen to where the streets have no name and you're like well how where's this gonna go
1: right i'm not saying these two songs are, are come equal on in quality. come on seriously <laughs> not equal in quality seriously but it has this you know what big... it reminded me of is sergeant peppers and also the bible <laughs>
0: I don't, I just mean that like the first song swings for the, goes for the whole thing, goes, tries to eat the whole meal. Like well, what comes next? What comes next is a 12 and a half minute weird ass song called the island in four parts with goofy, weird keyboards that lead into acoustic guitar reveries into guitar solos. This record is all over the place. This record is what if R.E.M. Uh-oh. And Pink Floyd okay. went on vacation, okay. got a little drunk, wrote a record, and then asked the head, uh, like, whatever high school kid runs the local a- like, audiovisual club to sing lead vocals, it would sound like this. Like, Malloy sounds like just a hopeless nerd. And this record is this big, loud, like, unapologetically bizarre rock and roll record. I'm a fan. It has aged well for me. None of the other December's records have aged well for me. Like, I like individual songs. The real bummer about this band, this is why band is so frosty. They are not a great live act. I've seen them four
1: times. Oh, and they're super precious and obnoxious.
0: But... And they are not a good live act. Even this show, I saw the Crane Wife tour on night three at the Warfield. I had a great seat and they just couldn't bring it. They just, the songs were beyond them. Like, they weren't good enough as a live act to pull these big songs over yet. They got better, but that just bummed me. It made me so sad that they'd recorded a record they couldn't replicate. It does not mean that listening to this record is not a a glorious experience for me. I'm gonna play a minute of the island. I'm gonna play just this weird moment where it's a prog rock record, and then it's an acoustic ballad record, and then it's something else. Because if if you like this at all, you'll love this record. And if you listen to this and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, fine. There's a record. There's definitely a Decemberists greatest hits mix somewhere on Spotify with all their three minute songs. And you should check that out. Or you could just ignore them all together. But here's the island from what is one of my favorite records. And definitely my favorite record of 2006.
2: The Crane Wife by the Decemberists.
3: Winker and slay your bow to ground. Fix your barb and bayonet. The curves carve their arabesque, and sorrow fills the silence all around. You come and see. As a harbor lost within
0: going and going there's another oh, yeah. great melody after that there's another great melody after that like I, this is i mean a, a major label says we'll give you a whole bunch of money to make a record and they're like right. fine and they throw the fucking kitchen sink at this record i love the audacity i love the ambition and there's some beautiful lyrics on this there's a in the crane white song like i squeak a, uh, when i'm listening to that song i squeak a tear out almost every time he sings i am a poor man I haven't wealth nor fame; just have my two hands and a house to my name. And the winter is so long, like that. Ugh. Like that's a not a bad description of lonely fifty-year-old white guy. <laughs>
2: like when his family's up. Hey, vacation, man. fun fact: he has a degree in American studies. You can
0: feel it. You can yeah. feel it, and not and that's not a compliment to many of his of his songs. This huh. this guy uses the word cormorant. More than anybody should ever. I think he's used the word cormorant <laughs> in three different songs. I like cormorants too. They are very pretty birds, but good lord, man! So, with all of Ben's inevitable, very accurate criticism of this record's uh,
1: faults, stuff—it's good, stuff. It's good the stuff. Good stuff more than outweighs the bad stuff for me. All with right. my wife, go ahead, Ben. So, I am happy to admit that this is the best December's record. Um, the records after it bleed back to this record and ruined it for me. Yeah. Seeing them live. That's interesting. Ruined it for me. Yeah. This guy is a massive, gargantuan, inexplicably huge douchebag. <laughs> Here's the list of his instruments, none of which he can properly play acoustic guitar, 12 string acoustic guitar, electric guitar, bazookie harmonic and percussion it's the bazookie that gets me it's the yeah, bazuki that's... that's murdering wait where 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 is where is that list? that's on wikipedia <laughs> and by the way jeff did you enjoy his ep where he covers colin malloy sings sam cook oh so did amazing. you think that was a good look for him no. where he was about... like you know who needs a refresh by a white american studies major from missoula montana is sam cook I, I feel like I have something to say about Sam Cooke. He That's also did a Morrissey.
0: Worst. He did a Morrissey covers record, which is a little That's more fine. in his wheelhouse. Yeah, you do yeah. that. that would be
1: so much <laughs> be better okay. than Sam. He's like, you know, you know who really needs to shine a light on that guy? The worst, the worst. Hey, you know, um, he didn't. He you know didn't what cover, else murdered him for he me? cover Billy Holiday. So his sister, Miley Malloy. Uh is a famous short story writer and we did wonderful short story books in um book club i think it's a 2009 collect i looked it up it's a 2009 collection which i also despised and the combination of this obnoxious (laughs) obnoxious family from missoula montana lecturing to me about how much smarter they are while he strums along in the bazookie and she reads her her stories to me out out hard out Like there's just something so over the top and precious and studied and self-created and phony, like phony to the bone about this band. Oh, totally. It's all a complete act. It's a complete act. It's the worst. Um, All of that being said, (laughs) this is not a band that I hated immediately. It took a while. And I I, and I gave them every opportunity. I've seen them live twice. Yeah. Um, and I, I really listened to this record at Jeff's behest. Uh, and I just like it, it wore on me and then it right. wore on me. And then everything that happened afterwards wore on me worse. Can't stand it, them.
2: This seems like a weird follow up question. Uh, what's your favorite December
1: song? Who knows? I mean, it must be something on this one. I have no idea. I despise them, though. So it's hard to say. Where have you seen them live? I saw them at Big Ears and a Bonnaroo.
0: And I What's saw the Bonnaroo with Ben, and I saw them twice in San Francisco, and maybe I've only seen them three times, but they they aren't good. They don't deliver as a live act. I've, okay. I mean, they o, they're a solid 0 for 3, and I'm pulling for them. I'm a guy who knows every word, every lyric who wants it to be a good
1: show. And by the, and the way, it's uh, Malloy's fault, in my opinion. It, he's the star of it. He thinks that he can play. He can't play. There's a version of this that's really, really, really easy where he gets he gets studio people to surround him. He's got the money to do that. And they play the songs and he sings along with it. That would be fine. But that's not what he does. He's a real like he thinks like he he behaves as if he's Springsteen. Like he's out there like wandering around and talking to the people of the band and the people of the band are like, dude, you suck. What are you doing talking to me? Go, go, go do your own thing. <laughs> oh, man. Well
0: you know what's funny is i don't disagree with anything ben said right.
2: exactly yeah and
0: i still like this record. that's how good this record is i agree with all of ben's criticism of the decemberists in general he might have gotten a little personal there by ripping on his sister but <laughs> but i still think this record i will say this this is the a record that's fallen for me in estimation more than any record i love unconditionally like this record went from like, I'm going to love this record for the rest of my life. I'm going to listen to it a thousand times To No, that's still a good record. And it's- The other thing because- that hurts
1: my feelings is I have a list of Jeff's 500 favorite songs by year. And so I can go to the year and just guess what Jeff's going to choose. Here are <laughs> other options that Jeff had from this year. He had the Arctic Monkeys record. Fantastic. Yep. He had the Beth Orton record, Comfort of Strangers. Awesome. Awesome record. He had Built to Spill, You in Reverse tremendous definitely my favorite built-to-spill record the gnarles barkley record and at a left field really i like held out a little hope in my heart for lily allen but no nope. I, I thought we talked about nope. lily allen no nope. we get the Decemberists. lily allen
0: got talked about in season one so i couldn't do it i no, love we didn't that. talk about lily you didn't choose a lily allen song did you somebody did somebody chose um somebody chose i thought you chose uh or song from that record. I I was I was sure she was off limits, but we'll figure out a way to talk about Lily uh, Allen at some point. All right.
2: She's the best. All
0: right, well, Tim. Who's your keyboard? Uh, who's your keyboardist?
2: Well, it's I just to follow up on the Decemberists. It's so fascinating to see um, or, or to hear your different takes on the Decemberists when you both uh, saw them live. Like you, you both had the experience of seeing them live at Bonnaroo. That must have been really memorable for the two of you to see them.
0: Is this a show that you were at with us as well? Yes, jackasses. I was there
2: too. I was with you. This is the foundation of our podcast. In 2007, we three went to Bonnaroo together. We three saw the Decemberists together and were disappointed together. But I guess I'm not part of the cool crowd. Oh, my God. That was good.
0: I like it. Well done. Actually, that was so good, I actually feel a little bad.
2: <laughs> but I do remember uh, thinking how weird that, that performance was and then reading, um, like in Rolling Stone or something, Malloy talking about how they went out and did the, the anti-concert festival set to really throw people off.
0: Oh, like like it
2: was like performance art to to just do a really. Do you
0: remember? Do low. you guys remember that they did that tour that where they did the shorts and the longs? They did two nights in every city, and the first night they did only songs that were four minutes and less, <laughs> and the second night they only did their epic tracks. Oh, I missed. So it. like, if you went to the it. longs night, they only did like seven songs, <laughs> but it was two and a half hours because they did the tane these two long songs, Maybe. I was meant for the stage, oh like, all of their nine to 20-minute numbers. I thought, like, if Ben has to spend some time in purgatory, he'll have, like, <laughs> backstage passes to the <laughs>
1: longs by the December. Oh, no, listen. First of all, it's a clear what I'm going to listen to. It's Carnival Number 9 by Emerson <laughs> Lake Palmer. They're just going to do that in a loop. That'll be it. All Welcome right.
2: back, my friends! Well, let's wrap this podcast up with my take, uh, I'm going to talk about boys and girls in America. I know we talk about, uh, also, Oh, we saw the Hold Steady here uh, at Bonnaroo in 2007 together. And, and they were terrific. They were terrific. And their keyboardist slash piano player looks like he's from Sha uh, but he's actually from the Hold Steady. Um, And I think he's terrific, and uh, hit us with uh, Stuck Between Stations, Jeff Simons. Yes, sir. Boys and Girls in America by The Hold Steady.
3: That South Paradise was right Boys and girls in America They're such a sad time together sucking off each other at their demonstrations Making sure their makeup's straight Crushing one another with colossal expectations Depending on discipline, sleeping late. weight She was a really cool kisser and she wasn't
2: In America, what do you think of the piano on that track?
1: Oh. That, that track is great. The, the I mean, piano's great, very tasty. The way
2: the piano comes in
1: after yep, the guitar, totally. oh, glorious, awesome. Yeah, glorious. it's a very. He's got like a like. It's weirdly Springsteen. Oh, it's um, not weirdly. It's like a total Roy Bitten. Homage, oh yeah, but no, great. but I mean, like everything Super except percussive. for the, the harder guitar parts are very, very Springsteen. And but it's a reboot on it because he tells the, the, the same stories, you know, like me and Crazy yeah. Janie making love yep, in the yep, dirt. Like, yep. but it's like a new version of it with a lot more um, party drugs. But just fantastic. <laughs> I love. I mean, we've been through this before, but I freaking love this band. I still love them. There's multiple songs on every record they put out that I love. This is not my favorite one, but this one's great. This is your favorite song on it? You? you wouldn't choose Southtown Girls?
2: I like, uh, uh, give me South Town, Town Girls, go. I like Chips Ahoy.
0: What's not to like on this record? They're all great. Girls like Status.
2: Southtown Girls won't blow you away. But you
3: know that they'll stay. Southtown Girls won't blow you away. But you know that they'll stay. Southtown Girls won't go away. But you know that they'll stay
2: South Town Girls won't go. You would both be happy to know that on the Japanese version of this C D, the Hold Steady does a cover. Of Bob Seger's Against the Wind. And we
1: have that perfect perfect marriage of
2: piano and Midwest storytelling coming together.
1: Oh, it's glorious. Glorious, I'll tell you. I am not going to be able to feature this in 2021 because it's not going to be my album of the year. Uh Open Door Policy by The Hold Study includes the number five track, Unpleasant Breakfast, which is a top five Hold Steady song. Can't recommend Unpleasant Breakfast more. Just fantastic. An amazing story song about like being in a Rhode Island hotel Uh on the beach and eating a breakfast with burnt toast. Like it's just fantastic. (laughs) It's literally about an unpleasant breakfast.
2: (laughs) That's great. Combine that with uh what is the Wilco song? Sunday morning with Jane Smiley or something. We'll just put it all together. Like uh like a nice um, jam. Songs right. of the week, songs of the week mix Monday through Sunday. There you That's go. What I should do on our Twitter feed, right? Like send out a song of the week. Like every Monday at 10 a.m. song of the week, every Friday, 10 a.m. video of the week. I should do this. Will you guys help me? Get it together,
0: marketing department.
2: Yeah, man. I'm happy to do that. I will speak to them. You know, ever since we introduced Casual Fridays, like things have been kind of slack. We're going (laughs) to tighten it up. All right, guys. Thank you, guys. Have a great wait. We
0: didn't even mention we're the worst. If you care about hearing something interesting, people, if you made it this far, then go over to C-SPAN and watch Mr. Benjamin oh, yeah. Martin and the interview he gave on his upcoming book, The Credential Court. It is so good. The book is arriving at my house tomorrow. I'll have a Woo! full review for it for the next episode. The interview was terrific. Ben Ben just absolutely kicked ass. I for tweeted an hour on it C-SPAN. out.
2: I tweeted out the interview, so check it out on our Twitter feed. Uh, the Credentialed Court. If you want to know anything about the Supreme Court, this is the book to buy. Who can argue? We've muted Ben. Two kinds,
1: two kinds. really appreciate it.
0: It really was great. It was really like, you know, you know, when you're watching an interview and uh, it's your friend. And at first you're like, come on, friend, you can, I just, he was so good After two minutes. I could just relax and watch it. And then I had this moment of like minute 38 where I'm like, this guy's pretty fucking good. Like, pretty oh, wait, smart. it's Ben. It's still Ben kicking ass and being so good at
2: this. And um, it, you
0: were so good. I forgot it was you for a second. It was. It's really excellent,
2: everyone. Check it out. And later this year, Jeff, you've got your book coming out, The Credentialed Backcourt, uh, Steph Curry yes. and Clay Thompson. It's a history really of
0: all the great backcourts wonderful. in
2: NBA history. That's right. <laughs> All right,
0: gentlemen. Hey, are you guys watching Winning Time on HBO by any chance? I always said I haven't watched it. Oh, I, I'm very eager to discuss it with you when you've had a chance to watch. It. All okay, right, we'll do. This
2: All is right. the Lakers show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chick, Chick Hearn, Spencer.
0: All yeah, right, Chick Hearn is 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 a uh, plays a small but hilarious part. So I mean, far. he's
2: perfect, perfect. Yeah. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Well done, Thanks, fellas. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records.
3: And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.